Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Jeremiah 29 and 11, I won't belabor. Let's move right to the Word. The Bible says, if you're ready, say amen. Amen. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you... Somebody say, I receive it. it. To give you an expected end. If you'll allow me this evening, I would like to turn our attention to the NIV version for a moment. This very same verse of Scripture says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Look at your neighbor tonight and tell him God's got a plan. I want to minister with the help of the Lord tonight this thought, just follow the plan. That's all you've got to do. Just follow the plan. Would you lift your hands one more time to heaven and ask God to help us tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Mighty God in Christ, we love you. Lord, we thank you for a move of the Spirit that we felt so far. Now, God, as we transition into this time of the service, I'm asking you, God, to help me to speak what you have laid on my heart for this congregation. Anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Anoint our hearts to accept, our minds to understand. Oh God, anoint our feet to be swift to accepting the Word of God tonight. In the name of Jesus, Lord, and I'll return to my seat tonight and give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. It's a courtesy and not a command. Just follow the plan. The word plan refers to any method of thinking out acts and purposes beforehand. To plan is to lay out a prediction of requirements, including designs, scheduled time, and resources needed in order for the plan to be successful. My favorite author outside of the Word of God is Dr. John Maxwell. One of his most frequently noted sayings and quoted sayings is, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. This is because he understands the valuable, uh, the incredible value of a leader who lends time to proper planning. There are two fundamental types of plans and oftentimes they are used in conjunction together. One is a written plan, similar to that of a a business plan. The other is a design plan, similar to a blueprint or an architectural design for uh, for anything, but a house, car, whatever you would build, there are plans that are drawn up to allow you to build that. Planning is often difficult for some people to do because they don't understand the value of the plan. I've had people mock the subject of planning in my life when the plan didn't work as it should. But what they failed to understand is that most of the time, it's not the plan's fault that it failed. Nevertheless, this doesn't devalue the subject of planning. 
especially for God because he himself was a master planner. We see in Ephesians 1 and 11, the Bible says, "...in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will." God predestinated an inheritance for us. He predetermined it. He thought about it. He deliberated on it. He planned it. Somebody shout, God planned it. For a plan to truly be successful, it only requires one thing. And you can come up with all types of, of ingredients and all types of scenarios to say why a plan will or will not fail. But ladies and gentlemen, I can give you the secret to life and planning. The only thing required for a plan to be successful is you must follow it. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to understand the plan. If you have the willingness to follow the plan and take it as written, you don't even have to understand what you're doing in the moment. Sooner or later you'll understand, but right now in the moment of assembly, you don't even have to understand. Uh, one example I can think of, and, and if this may only be me, and if it is, then I've given you something to laugh at me about, and you can, you can chuckle, and you can hee hee hee, and, and you can leave feeling good about yourself because it's not you, it's just me. But it seems that every time I buy something that needs assembly, it rarely goes perfect. Now what I have discovered by trial and error is that as stupid, pardon the, the, the phrase bluntly, but as stupid as I may call the plan, when I find out that I've got leftover pieces, and when I've already got the glue set, and I find out that something else was supposed to be in there. Because I'm now on page 5 and I didn't pay attention to pages 1 through 4. Has anybody been there? And, and you, I feel a little better already. You, you get to this point where that you, you wasn't following the plan, especially us men, because we think, ah, I can figure this out, I know what I'm doing. And, and we, we, we set course on not following the plan sometimes. And, and we got to understand we didn't design the plan. We didn't design what's being assembled. So we really, really, truly don't know what we're doing. So you can set course. You can get all the tools out that's necessary. You can sort out all the pieces. And you can get the plan from the manufacturer. And you can actually, without knowing what you're doing, if... You follow it step by step. You can make it to the end. They, they've, they've dumbed it down pretty good. Uh, a guy like myself can make it to the end and actually assemble something that looks pretty good. Because somebody else is helping me. Somebody else has written a plan. In the majority of cases, it's not the plan that fails. It is our lack of following the plan that causes our failure. Therefore, the responsibility of failure lies not on the planner, but on the one following the plan. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. There is something in the history of man that God thought out every detail very carefully. 
He planned it. He designed it with intricate detail. His purpose was very purposeful. And that was simply the ark. There are three types of arks mentioned in the Old Testament scripture. One, the first was Noah's ark. The second ark that is mentioned in God's word is the ark of Moses as baby Moses. And then there is the ark of the covenant. Let's start in our beginning tonight with Noah's ark. Noah was, as you Bible readers know, commanded by God to build an ark and to preach to the people that it was going to rain. God was going to destroy nearly everything on the face of the earth. And if they were to be saved, they were to get on board the ark. We can find this in the Word of God in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 14. The Bible says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set inside thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Each ark that is mentioned in the Bible is mentioned in specific detail. It is mentioned into the design and the materials. It is mentioned into the dimensions that it should be. And a very important piece tonight is that it was pitched on the inside and on the outside. The subject of being pitched within and without means that it was sealed. It was sealed on the inside and it was sealed on the outside. And what this is inferring into our life tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is a subject of preservation. In each location of Holy Writ that the ark is mentioned, preservation is the real subject matter. The ark that Noah was commanded to build was intended to preserve its passengers from destruction and death. God told Noah in very specific detail the materials to use, the dimensions to have, and the method in which to build it. But God would not build the ark. God gave the plan. But Noah was to build the ark. Noah was to preserve the people by his own effort. The people who would get on board the ark and would be preserved by a collaboration between humanity and divinity. It was God's design, but it was man's labor. God gave the plan, and Noah obeyed the plan. Through obedience to the plan, Noah's family was saved. Ladies and gentlemen, God gives us the plan. We as humanity must obey the plan. It is through our obedience to the plan that great things happen in our life. We are not saved tonight by accident. You are not filled with Holy Ghost tonight by accident. There was a plan laid 2,000 years ago. And if that plan was written by God then and was obeyed by man then, it's just as real today that its design is by Almighty God and it's to be obeyed by man today. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. We cannot sit idly by 
in a state of comfort or ease and assume the posture that if it's God's will, it will work out. Or it's God's business, if He wants it done, He'll do it. Or some have even said, if God wants wants to save me, He will. Some have even said, if God wants to fill me with the Holy Ghost, He will. I've come to declare tonight that God just simply gives the blueprint. God simply gives the plan. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, God is the architect. We are the carpenter whose responsibility it is to build according to His design. Somebody shout hallelujah. The design is God's plan for your life. He gives the plan. All you have to do is obey the plan. But Brother Mason, I don't understand. It's not a requirement to understand. The only thing you must do is to follow the plan. But I don't know where I'm headed. You don't need to know where you're headed. All you have to do is follow the plan. If you really trust God, where you're headed should not be an issue. If you really trust in God, what you don't understand should not be an issue. Because He holds tomorrow in His hand, ladies and gentlemen. He holds He holds every situation we have right in the palm of his hand. So tonight we need to stop trying to architect our own plan. We need to stop trying to work around the details of God's plan. Don't add details to the plan. Don't take away details to the plan. All you have to do is simply follow the plan. Look at your neighbor tonight and tell him, I've got to follow the plan. If if you do not obey the plan and it starts raining, don't expect to ride the storm safely. Because the ark that was built was built to preserve those that would follow the plan. The reason the ark floated when the waters rose was because it had been pitched. It was sealed on the inside and on the outside. The ark was preserved. The people in the ark were preserved. And the reason for this preservation was simply because Noah followed the plan. Ladies and gentlemen, no matter how hard the storm beats against the ark, it had been preserved by the obedience of the believer. It didn't matter how hard the thunder cracked. It didn't matter how hard the waves tossed. Everyone that was inside the ark was safe. And they were safe because one man obeyed the plan. Philippians 1 and 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with this plan. There's nothing wrong with Acts 2.38 salvation. There's nothing wrong with Acts 4 and 12. He is the only God who saves. There's nothing wrong with Bible salvation. The plan's just as good today as it was when you were first saved. He will perform it until the day comes, but we must follow the plan. The whole family was preserved through what the father had built. When fathers understand their priesthood in their home, 
There is a holy power that overshadows their family, that preserves them. It pitches your home on the inside. It seals it on the inside. And it seals it on the outside. The home is then preserved. Noah built according to the plan of God, not according to what he could see. Likewise, in our lives, God designs the plan. We follow the plan. You know, it's interesting that when Noah began building the preserver, he didn't see any rain. Noah received an instruction from God that he was willing to save more than just his family. Noah was given an instruction from God, build an ark, it's going to rain. Save everybody you can, because I'm going to destroy everything I've made. But Noah didn't see any rain. Matter of fact, it was more than six weeks that Noah didn't see any rain. And I just picked six weeks out of the air just because it seems that, that's sometimes the, the life expectancy of our height. For some reason we have a good Sunday night service and it only lasts for about four or six weeks and then it takes another six months to prime another one out of you. I'm not talking about you as the body. I'm talking you individually. There are things that we need to connect with in God every time we come to church. Our preservation is found in the ark. The church tonight is symbolic of an ark. There is preservation inside the church. There is preservation in my salvation. God has all control. Noah didn't see any rain. But Noah followed the plan anyway. At times we don't see exactly what God is doing. But God just simply wants us to follow the plan. For the Bible even tells us that the just shall live by faith. Then there is, we move later on in Scripture, there is Moses' ark. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 3, the Bible declares, And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Everybody shout ark. It is an ark of bulrushes. It is slimed and pitched within and without. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's a different ingredient. It's a different material, but the method is still the same. It's pitched within and it's pitched without. It's sealed on the inside and it's sealed on the outside. And that which was used to construct this ark the baby Moses was saved by what his mother built. Moses' mother built an ark and pitched it 
She sealed it. She preserved it on the inside and on the out. She knew in the Nile would be many dangers. There would be snakes and adders, alligators and crocodiles and many types of reptiles and dangerous creatures. If you could only imagine taking your baby and going to the closest seaside or river and, or even, even the Wabash River when there's enough to float in it. If you can imagine taking your child, putting it in a basket and setting it in the river to float off. You're going to make sure that's the best basket you've ever made. I can guarantee you tonight that if I were to build a basket, if God didn't tell me to do it, it probably wouldn't float. I just don't think I could get it right. But Moses' mother followed some very specific instructions. She knew that there would be many dangers. We're not talking about an adult. We're talking about a crying baby. A baby that's not even weaned from his mother. A baby that cannot walk. A baby that cannot talk. A baby that has no strength in his legs. I, I don't even know if his eyes are open real good yet or not. But the soft spot's still in the back of his head. He is purely just a baby. But on the strength of the ark, I want you to understand this tonight. On the strength of the ark, not the occupant. The baby Moses was able to withstand all the potential dangers that could come upon him. He is safe within the ark. He is preserved from danger in the ark. He's not at the mercy of the alligator in the ark. As a baby, Moses is not leaning on his own strength. He is not leaning on his own understanding. He is not leaning on his own ability. He is virtually helpless in this environment he has been placed. We can look and we can say Noah had adults in his family. We could even make the argument tonight that they worked by their own strength. That they protected themselves by their own strength. By their own hands they built the ark. By their own hands they preserved their life. We could even make that argument that, that as adults they could withstand the scrutiny and the mockery of people laughing at them for building a boat when it hadn't ever even rained. But Moses, ladies and gentlemen, was just a baby. Moses didn't have the ability to help himself. He was weak, inexperienced, couldn't stand on his own two feet. He couldn't even speak to protect himself from danger. But yet, he was safely preserved by the plan of God and the obedience of his mother. I hope you're, you're following the parallels here tonight. There are certain things that go on in life that if we will just simply follow God's plan, there's a lot of issues we might not have. There's a lot of trouble we wouldn't have in our life if we'd just stick to the plan. Yay, hallelujah. There's some children that might be saved, moms and dads, if you just stick to the plan. She saved her son by sticking to the plan. Noah saved his family by sticking to the plan. Don't deviate from the plan just because of what you see. Because the things that you cannot see are greater in the eyes of God than those things that you can see.
Somebody shout glory. glory. It was her obedience to the plan that saved her son. Moses, get a picture of it now. Moses is physically laying in his mother's obedience. This is a very graphic story. You have to envision it in your mind. He was fully trusting in the power of the ark he had been placed in. That is faith. Laying back, taking a nap. Because you're comfortable in what God has provided you with. How many of us can say that we followed the plan of God so close that we're not worried? How many of us follow the plan of God so close that we rest in the Word? See, Moses was physically resting in his mother's obedience. It is our children and it is your children and your grandchildren that are looking to you for answers that are looking to you to imitate what is right. And if we are not demonstrating to our children what is right, they won't find rest in the plan. They're going to find the dangers of the Nile. They're going to find the dangers of an enemy that hates them and an enemy that wants their soul to burn forever. But God has a plan, ladies and gentlemen. That's faith. That's resting in the obedience of the word. It doesn't matter what you go through. Hear me tonight. It doesn't matter what you go through. It matters what you're traveling in. As long as you're traveling in what God has preserved for you, what you're going through is irrelevant. The, the situation that you're in doesn't matter if you're traveling in the right preservative. As long as you're traveling in the ark, the protective agency of God is with you and no matter where you're at, you're safe. No matter what you're going through, you're safe. Too many times we want to go away from the plan of God because we see some things and we want to attack what we see. We see it. It's a real enemy. And we want to confront the enemy. God's design was not always for you to confront your enemy. You stay in the ark He's preserved for you. You rest in the Word of God and follow His plan and let Him fight your battles. There are some battles in this life God never intended for us to fight. Well, hallelujah. I think there's some family controversies that would never take place if we had all keep our nose in the plan. Second Timothy 2 and 19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, might I interject there at seal, this preservation, that the Lord knoweth them that are His. God has, say it with me now, a plan. a plan. It would have been foolish for Moses' mother to pray, God, don't let my baby go through anything. When God had already designed a plan to carry the baby through whatever he was going to face. Don't waste your time tonight praying not to have problems. 
Don't, don't waste your time not praying to have problems. Because you're going to have problems. So, so let me just save you some time tonight. Don't, don't even waste your time. Because you're, you'll never escape problems. Can we agree to that tonight? I don't care if you're saved or you're unsaved. You're going to have, you're going to have issues. You're going to have difficulties. And I, I'll be forward with you enough tonight that I think half of our issues we bring on ourselves. But nevertheless, you're going to have issues. So don't, don't waste your time asking God to take your issues away. Spend your time following the plan. God's designed an ark for you. God's designed a vehicle of preservation for you to ride safely through the storm. So we need to quit trying to reason out the plan. Don't waste your time trying to understand the plan. Just follow the plan. Just, just go from page one to page two. Follow the plan. Don't skip five pages and take those things that are simply convenient. We need to follow the plan that God has established for our life. Somebody shout hallelujah. In the end, it all makes sense. Moses was secure because of his position in the ark. Moses was secure because of his placement in the ark, not because of his condition. Too often we let our condition dictate our actions. My condition is sickness. Our conditions are mistakes, setbacks, sins, call it whatever you want to. Our conditions may be hurt feelings. Our conditions may be bad relationships. Our conditions may be financial issues and job issues. We need to understand tonight that you're not identified by your condition. So don't focus on your condition. Focus on your position. God's got a place for you. God's got you placed in an ark. But if we go dabbling our hands over the side, I understand tonight that Moses was a baby. And I understand that the, the engineering of his ark probably didn't allow for this. But if you'll just, as Pastor would say, walk with me for just a moment and use your imagination. You know, you go to an amusement park and you, you, you load a ride and you get on there and you got your seat belt fastened real good and tight and you got your harness pulled over and, and you're sitting there and you're just a... You're just whistling Dixie and smiling like a basket full of chipmunks waiting on them to push the button, waiting on everything to go. And the last thing they say is, please keep all hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times. Now believe it or not, there's a reason they say that. I can remember a time that I was riding a particular ride at a particular amusement park, and uh, it was late, been there all day. You kind of get sloppy, I guess, when you're tired. And I decided, and, and, and as, as a lot of people that did when they were, would ride a roller coaster, I decided I was going to raise my hands. And I can recall, just as if it were yesterday, 
that right about the moment that now this this ride this is one of those rides that you stand an hour you'd stand in line for three and a half hours, and the ride lasted for fifty four seconds. <laughs> I don't think I would do that today. Yeah, that'll preach, but I won't. <laughs> Stood in line, get on the ride, and it's raining. That brings a whole new dimension to it. Come around, went up the hill, come around a little curve, and it banked sideways where you could look down. Ooh, hello. And then it jets down the hill and comes around and goes to do, uh, uh, it wasn't a full 360 loop. This one was kind of like a corkscrew, and it was going like this. And about the time we got upside down, I realized that my knees were right in front of my eyes. Because my harness was not locked. I had no alternative seat belt on. This ride didn't offer it, or I would have had it on. No alternative seat belt. The thing was unlocked. And we got upside down, and as we're getting upside, you know, gravity pulls pretty quick. And that thing flies up, and I'm holding on. And about the time I saw my knees, I started praying. (laughs) My hands had been up. Technically where they shouldn't have been. And about the time I sensed danger, then I wanted to pray. Too often, we leave God as our second-class alternative because we're doing something we shouldn't do. We're dabbling outside the ark. We're touching and reaching out into places that He never intended us to do, but then, oh, when I see danger, oh, help me, God. God has provided, provided us with something to keep us safe. It is not our condition that matters. It's our position inside the ark. It's the fact that you're placed inside something that he has sealed. Moses' condition while floating down the Nile was dangerous. It was overwhelming. It was risky. It could have killed him. If his mother had not obeyed God, it could have killed him. His position inside the ark because of his mother's obedience was one of power, one of safety, and one of victory. The victory is not in our human strength. The victory, ladies and gentlemen, is not in your power. The victory is not in your ability. The victory is in following the the design of God's plan. God's plan may not make any sense to you. Now just imagine if you're Noah and... You're, 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 you're standing there and you're, you're gathering wood and you're gathering uh, whatever materials they were using to bond the wood together and you're measuring it off and you're cutting all the, pre-cutting all the pieces. That plan really, is really if you're, if you're going to stop and be carnal for a minute, that plan really doesn't make sense. Because it hasn't rained yet. But God knew if He waited till it rained, it's too late. We need to understand tonight that God's simply calling on us to follow the plan now. Not later. 
We do not have a promise of tomorrow. We do not have a promise that God's offering will extend tomorrow. But what we do have is the assurance of knowing today that God has a plan. Look at your neighbor tonight and say, just follow the plan. Rest in the safety of the ark. Rest in the safety of the church. For it is in Him, the Bible says, it is in Him that we live and move and have our being. You can have safety and rest when you follow the plan of God. It was Jude 1.9 that we see Michael the archangel. The Bible says when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. Now, even an angel of God understood there are certain fights you can't win on your own. But us, in our independence, in our pride, we often want to fight our battles off of the conditions we see rather than taking into recognition our placement in God's plan. It was here that this angel refused to even make an accusation against the devil, he just said, the Lord rebuke you. If your baby Moses at this point, you don't fight the gator in your name. It's the obedience to the plan that is your shelter. It's the plan of God that is your protection. The Bible says, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, we need to go into our situations tonight in the name of Jesus and let the obedience of God's plan become our preservation. Ladies and gentlemen, just follow the plan. There's a lot to be learned by following the plan. The third ark that is mentioned in the Word of God is found in the book of Exodus, chapter 25. The Bible says in verse number 9, According to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. And they shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. Once again, on our third example, we find very specific detail to the material, and the measurement, and the pattern in which this ark should be built. God's plan, God's design. Here we find God starting to build the furniture in the tabernacle. He started with the ark. He seems to have started with the last piece first. And that could be quite possibly because everything else that would be there would be centered around the presence of God. The single focus for entering the tabernacle was to lead up to getting into the presence of God. The shittim wood came from the acacia tree. The gum in this tree has, according to history, had healing properties in it. The material was so hard and strong, it's also referred to as incorruptible wood. The acacia tree is also known as the scourge of thorns for its many sharp thorns located on its branches. To obtain healing properties of this tree would cost you something. 
Likewise, anything you expect to gain from God is going to cost you something. It will cost you your obedience. This ark was pitched within and without. Only this time, it was pitched with gold on the inside and overlaid with gold on the outside. The wood that the box was made with represents the humanity of Jesus Christ. And the gold that it was overlaid with represents the divinity of Jesus Christ. One did not change or replace the other, but rather they worked in harmony together to prove to us that in this box was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ to come, representing to us that He was not half God and half man but rather that he was 100% man and he was 100% God. He's powerful and strong. He is even incorruptible. He has healing in his voice. He knows my end from my beginning. He has vision in my life. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for you. And all he wants from us is to stay in the ark and follow the plan. Both Noah and Moses' ark stemmed from the Hebrew word tebah, simply meaning a box or an ark. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? But now in Exodus we find the Hebrew word used for this sacred piece of tabernacle furniture as aron, which means a box, ark, or coffin. Another location where aron is used for the word ark can be found in Genesis 50 and 26. The Bible says, So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Joseph was embalmed and placed in a coffin. The Hebrew word for coffin in this text is the same as the Hebrew word for the Ark of the Covenant, Aron. There are 185 references in Scripture to the Ark of the Covenant. This infers to us tonight that it's important for us to understand the Ark. It's important for us to know about the presence of God. It's not any longer just a box. It's not any longer just simply an Ark. But now it is a box or an Ark that deals with dead things. God, ladies and gentlemen, is not interested in just preserving you in your current condition. But God has greater plans. He wants to take the dead things in your life and put them in a box and let the Holy Ghost preserve life and give life back to you by following the plan. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Paul addresses the Corinthian church and says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Things that are passed away are deceased. They're dead. They have no life left in them. They're useless. When you get into the presence of God, there is a place to deposit the dead things in your life. The ark, the aron, the holy presence of God, the place where God dwelt in the Old Testament was, was for more than just a box. It was more than just a preservative. It was a means of trading one lifestyle for another. Hallelujah. 
it wasn't just saving. It wasn't just preserved. See, up till now, Moses, Moses was just preserved. Up until now, Noah was just preserved. Noah's family, yeah, he was preserved because of obedience. We've already talked about that at length. But that preservation was only so good. It only kept the physical man's life. Woo, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're feeling what I'm feeling tonight. Because when we get to the third ark, there's something supernatural that happens. It's not just my physical man that's saved. It's not just my life that's saved. It is my spirit man that is now preserved by the plan of God for my future. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Just follow the plan. This box now is more than just a preservative. A dead life left in the box left in the hands of God at an altar. If, if you, let me break down the symbolism here. It is, as Paul wrote to the church, that we are a new creature. That old things, dead things, are passed away. They die. When I went down in baptism in Jesus' name, and I come up out of a watery grave. I came up a new creature. The old man is dead. Where is he now? He's in the presence of God. The tabernacle and its furniture, including the Ark of the Covenant, were a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. They were a shadow of salvation to come. When we're saved, ladies and gentlemen, there's a trade-off that happens. You are trading in who you used to be for who He wants you to be. We're trading one life for another. The Spirit of God, which was formerly confined to the Aron, formerly confined to this box where His presence was, is now released to us individually by way of an open veil. And now we take ownership. It takes ownership of our past. It takes ownership of the dead things in our life. And it gives us life. How? Because we follow the plan. If I'm really to come up in newness of life, then I cannot reassume the body of that dead man. I have to let go of some things. Oh, hear this preacher. There's some things in your past you've got to let go of. You cannot have spiritual victory and hang on to yesterday. There are some things you've got to let go of. The plan of God does not include the dead man and the new man. The plan of God includes the new creature in Christ Jesus. The plan of God includes the presence of God in your life. The plan works if you'll obey it. There's nothing wrong with the plan. There's nothing wrong with the blueprint. There's nothing wrong with God's design for your life. But you're never going to have what God has designed for you. Unless you obey the plan. 
Every individual here tonight under the sound of my voice, you are responsible for following the plan. Every decision you husbands and fathers make affects your children. Every decision you mothers and wives make affects your children. Don't blame your children for not serving God if you yourself don't follow the plan. The reason why these families were saved as illustrated in the Word of God was because their parents followed the plan. The children following the plan was a byproduct of leadership in their home. It's not complicated. All you've got to do is follow the plan. You cannot adapt today's worldly society in your mind and come to church and try to match God to society. Because we live in a society where no one wants to be told what to do. I manage people for a living. Trust me. No one wants to be told what to do. I've got a girl that she... she, she <laughs> Brother Freddie, if I have much patience, she tries all of it. Because when it comes to giving her instruction, after we're done, she'll make it sound like if it's convenient, she's going to do it, but it's optional. So much so that I have to get just completely blunt and say, no, you're not listening to me. This is not an option. You won't work here? You're going to do this. You don't do this, you won't work here. You have to get plain. <laughs> because some people just don't get it if you're not plain. I believe today through Bishop and now God's just trying to be plain. Because some of us might not get it if it's not plain. And I hear the voice of God declaring, just follow the plan. He's already wrote it out. God don't need you to write your own plan. God don't need you to say, I'll do it when it's convenient or I'll do it if it's optional. No, no, no. God's got a plan. All we got to do is follow the blueprint of the Word of God. Noah had a choice. He could follow God and live. I, I believe, Pastor, if I'm wrong, I'll take the correction, but I, I believe that we can rightly interpret the Word of God that God was going to send a rain regardless. God, God sending rain was not contingent on Noah obeying him. The rain was coming. God was just offering a means of preservation to those that would follow him. The rain was not optional. The ark was. The decision was humanity's. 
You either obey or you don't. It's really that clear and simple. You obey, you're preserved. You don't obey, you're destroyed. There is no middle gray. I know it's 2012 and not 1950, but there is no middle gray. It is really still black and white. Right is right and wrong is still wrong. And, and as ultra conservative as that may sound politically, it's still right. Sin is sin and right is right. And if you're going to live right, you're going to follow the plan. But you cannot go against the plan and live right. Moses. Moses didn't have a decision in it. He didn't have a dog in that fight. But his mother did. Some of you parents that don't really understand the actions that you're taking and how it's affecting your children need to take a lesson from Moses' mother. God would have had a Moses, even if his name wasn't Moses. He would have had somebody to bring the children out of, out of Egypt. It happened to be Moses because of one mother. We sit in church too many times and think obeying God is optional. We, we quench off the Spirit and the anointing of God too many times because we're worried about eating out. We're worried about fellowship. We're worried about work tomorrow. We're worried about this. And we're worried, ladies and gentlemen, there's an eternity to worry about. There's a plan of God that keeps us saved, and it is black and white. We are either saved or you're not. There is no halfway middle point where we say, God, let me in. I believe it was Jesus that said in the New Testament, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. There is a destruction coming. Moses would have faced death. Sure death. If it had not been for his mother's obedience, but he laid in the security of his family's obedience. You, you want to protect your children? Follow the plan. You want to give your children the best life that you can give them? Parents, listen to me. You want to give your children the best life that you can give them? Get your mind off of money. Get your mind off cars. And houses. None of those things are sin unless you put them before God, but they are not priorities. You want to give your children the best life you can give them? Give them the plan. Put them in the ark. But let's not just put them in a box. Let's get into the ark that takes care of dead things. Because there's some things and there's some dead weight in our life that we need to rid ourselves of. Stand with me tonight. This altar is open. I'm not going to give a lengthy altar call. We need to follow the plan. God has got a blueprint established. It is the Word of God. Every situation you're in, it has an answer. Every storm of life 
it has the preservation. There is nothing that the Word of God cannot handle for you. Let's lift our hands right now. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.